Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. You know, sometimes in, in life, you're just around greatness. And uh, I got to look up right now and, and see if I've ever been around greatness quite like this. Because I am co-hosting a show with a man named Mike Abadir. This is a man who predicted the MLB playoff matchups exactly when the season started. When the playoffs started, he again picked the exact matchup all the way through. His own Boston Red Sox just won the World Series and beat the Dodgers. And oh yeah, just to add a little icing on that cake, last week Mike went 4-0 and in his wagers and has now moved his record up to a very impressive 13, is it 13-6-2? and Correct. If, if I'm right on the season, some weeks and some months it's yours. Mike Abadir, right now, it is your time, my good friend. Congratulations on the run you are on. I cannot accept, uh, you know, the being, being dubbed anything affiliated with greatness. Uh, I aspire to, to, to that, but fall very, very short. Well, you it's take it. Really Even good, if you don't want it, you got to take it right now. Well, I'm I appreciate the nice words. You know, it's been, it's been a pretty nice streak. Uh, sometimes you're kind of seeing the ball well. Uh, we use that expression all the time in sports and in wagering and things of that nature. You know, baseball in particular, football in particular, NFL in particular. I mean, those are kind of my go-tos. So appreciate the kind words. I hope more than anything that, you know, some people that play uh, and our listeners or followers have taken advantage, benefited, have maybe made a few bucks and uh, capitalized. And on that note, uh, a couple of uh, administrative things to talk about here. Um, Speaking of great. You've put together a Breeders' Cup package. Uh, I've looked at this report, guys. It's fantastic. Gino spent a ton of time on it. Thank you, man. And I think that it's, it's going to be a winner. You know, be- between the two days, you know, you, you maybe take a, a selection here or there or follow a pick five that's suggested or incorporate it into your own plays. I think you'll do really, really well. Uh, Gino and I have both sent out links for it, uh, uh, retweets for the link to how, how to purchase this package. As you know, we always give out our selections for free. That's something we've always prided ourselves on. This, however, is a little bit of a different animal just because of how many hours have been put into this. It's almost like a full-time job for 40 hours a week to be able to grind all this out and to go back and forth with the web development team and the layout and, and there's so much to it. And more importantly, a percentage of the proceeds will be, will go to City of Hope. Maybe you could expand on that a little bit, because yeah, I know it's yeah, near and dear to you. That's what's cool, because like eight years ago right now, this is right when I got diagnosed with cancer with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I was actually in the hospital during the Breeders' Cup um, when it went on you know, eight years ago. So for me, it's, this time of the year is always once the late October hits and then early November, I get those feelings, kind of remember – what I went through and going in and all the chemo and everything. And honestly, some, a lot of times for me, it's hard to go to events. It's hard to go sometimes to fundraising things. You, you talk to people, you, you don't quite know what to say. 
and you want to give back in some way, shape, or form. And I felt like this year was kind of a good way for me to, to give back a little bit in this way. I know that uh, what I can do, and I can spend a lot of time watching races, watching thousands of replays, all the European replays, looking at all the charts. I have more time and more energy to, to focus on handicapping the races than a lot of other people do. So I figured let's use that time. We'll try to help some, fe- some folks out and save them some time. They don't have to handicap as much. Maybe we can make them a few bucks. And no matter what, what's great is that before we ever make a bet this weekend, Mike, win or lose, and even if you don't make a bet this weekend, um, and maybe you just you have an extra 20 or 40 around and you, you feel like uh, maybe you send it to one of your friends who plays the races, you, you just know that 10% of this, everything is going to the City of Hope. So at the end of uh, Saturday night, once we've, we've got all the packages sold, um, I'll make the donation of 10% of everything that's coming through. So really appreciate it to everyone out there because – there's, there's a guy uh, or a girl or a kid or someone out there just like me who uh, who might be struggling and who those extra few bucks might help them. So um, really appreciate it. And it, it makes makes me feel good already as some of the pack, uh, the purchases have been coming in that I know before anything um, that we're already helping someone out. And, that, and that's the key. Good, good, good stuff there, man. Definitely uh, I encourage everybody to check it out. And once again, we'll retweet those links for uh, how to be able to get the package um, throughout the day and tomorrow, and hopefully uh, everybody can bang out some winners. One more uh, administrative uh, note uh, on the philanthropic side, uh, myself and others uh, that you may know, such as uh, Dave Weaver from TVG, are on the board for the Sam Thompson Memorial Foundation. By the way, we are going to be going through a name change, and we'll announce that sometime soon. But we're going to be having an event at Los Alamitos on November 17th. It's a meet and greet with Mike Smith. Rumor has it that he's trying to get Bob Baffert. I'm not really supposed to say that, but letting everybody know that there's a possibility that Bob Baffert will be there. But Mike Smith for sure will. Autograph session. Once again, we'll send out tweets to that. If you're not living in the locale or can't make it on the 17th to Los Alamitos. And by the way, that's going to be the uh, B of A uh, event that night. So it's going to be a huge night of quarter horse racing. Um, We will send out links as to how to, you know, obtain a, Mike Smith autograph. I believe it's going to be on a Justify poster. So uh, with all that said, let's get to the party, man. Let's get to the fun stuff and uh, get this Breeders' Cup preview rolling. Yeah, we got uh, Todd Shrub coming in today, Craig Milkowski, Scott Shapiro, and then Monique. We'll talk a little football with her at the end, but today is going to mainly be a horse racing based show, Mike. So I think we have a great guest lineup and we'll be able to get a little handicapping in, get a little storyline in and wherever are some of our guests kind of uh, what races they don't fill. I can kind of fill in those holes because yeah, I've, I've snuck my teeth into everything. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. What better place to start than with the Todd father, Todd Shrub from TVG. Todd, good morning, well my friend. Done, Mike. Shrubby. <laughs> Hey, G-Man, good to be with you. And, you know, I mean, you guys know this, and I, I just wanted to, I, as I was listening to uh, your lead-in, but, you know, and, and handicapping, be it in sports or be it in thoroughbred racing, which we're talking about, it's very hard for uh, players to set their egos aside and adopt someone else's opinion or say, wow, they pointed out something that I, I should play. But I, I have to tell everyone out there, um, Gino's one of those guys that I've met in my time in racing where if he came up to me and said, I really love a horse, then I'm playing that horse, too. And a lot of horse players uh, won't do that. They can't set their ego aside. But um, I know the work that Gino puts in. And, you know, so aside from uh, the charitable aspect of what you announced earlier, uh, the analysis that you're going to provide your listeners is absolutely 
worth some plays uh, this Friday and Saturday. So good to be with you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate that, Thank buddy. How you been, man? It's been a while. What's what's going on there over at TVG? Set the tone. Things are changing. Incorporating the sports betting world a little bit more. You guys are getting some new uh, some new tracks over there now. That and it seems like more than anything, those are all positives for people who like to play sports and who like to play the races. It is because it should be a one stop shop for everybody. And let's face it, even before the Supreme Court ruling that essentially paved the way for states to decide whether or not they want sports betting. When you went out to a racetrack on a Sunday, players would go screen to screen. They'd go from the race that they were watching right to the football game that they were watching. So there's always been a crossover between sports bettors and horse players. There are a lot of times hybrids and one and the same. So the fact that TVG can go from being a uh, horse racing-centric network to now having the opportunity under the FanDuel Group banner and Patty Power Betfair to now offer sports betting in selected states as it starts to roll out is a great thing for horse players. Why should you have a bunch of different accounts to play certain areas? It, it's, it really is an exciting time for our company, especially for someone like myself who was there from the beginning. And it's amazing to think it was 19 years ago that we launched, but I can tell you from that experience, we didn't know if we'd be around 19 days. So the fact that yeah. sports wagering is now part of the umbrella that is TVG with the FanDuel group is fantastic news for everybody, including employees like myself who wanted to see our company truly make it. Now, I've got a couple questions for you, Todd. The first one is, and I've asked you this, I think every six months probably, with all these changes, has this had any kind of negative, I don't want to be negative today, but any negative impact on the momentum the exchange wagering had? No, if anything, it, it should hasten uh, basically exchange wagering rolling out further. I, I'll be honest with you, I, it hasn't gone as quickly as I'd like to see it, but I think people will see more of the brilliance of exchange wagering when they can see it with sports betting, and you can match people up with different opinions. Um, I mean, I'll just put it out there. I mean, I, I was in racing before TVG came along, and unfortunately, it's an industry that is way behind the times. They're almost behind the curve and everything. There's very few times I can point and say, well, horse racing was ahead of the curve or brought something new to the gambling landscape. Um, instead, it's a pack mentality. They, they wait for something to work, and then they join it. Um, unfortunately, there's been horsemen's groups, uh, particularly in California, where exchange wagering has been on the books, and they, they could have had it years ago, that are just reticent to accept it. But the sports betting world absolutely realizes the brilliance of exchange wagering because Betfair, Betfair pioneered it. They launched about the same time that TVG did before they became our parent company and before they combined with Patty Power Betfair. So I think the sports wagering aspect of it is actually going to give exchange wagering a better opportunity to succeed in the United States and then typical horse racing to realize how good it is and then finally follow suit. But what's disappointing to me, just as someone who makes his living in horse racing, is that they should have been first. Horse racing should have been first. Now, they are New Jersey with exchange wagering, but they should have been in California right away, because think about that for a moment. We've got exchange wagering in California if we want it, but how far away are we from an actual sports betting bill? I mean, that, that's years away, but here was exchange wagering ready to go literally seven years ago, and they haven't done anything with it. So, I'm hoping that more exposure through sports betting and exchange wagering in New Jersey that we'll see a quicker rollout now because, to me, it's way behind for horse racing. 
amazing how the people of New Jersey are so far ahead of the curve with all this stuff, you know. So yep. uh, if I yep. was to move anywhere, I would have never said this a couple of years ago, but maybe New Jersey would be a fun destination to be at. So uh, hey, let's let's uh, get right to the good stuff, and we're going to save the best for last because uh, I heard that you have identified the best wager of your lifetime. Sounds unbelievable. <laughs> let's save the best for last. And before we get into the specifics, uh, two Really, really quick uh, questions for you. The first one is, for all the uh, Ken Rudolph fans out there, is there a possibility that he might be coming uh, back to SoCal, TVG? Do you know anything? Well, well if uh, anyone who follows Ken Rudolph online, first of all, it's hard to believe that Ken left TVG seven years ago, but the first 12 years of TVG's existence, I worked with Ken. He was one of the originals as well, but... Sacramento always called him home because that's where he was from. And so he went to the morning show up there, Good Day Sacramento. And then recently online, he said that his tenure there would be coming to an end. And he had a major announcement. To my knowledge, I don't know that that announcement involves coming back to TVG. I think it's ultimately something else, but I haven't heard any anything specific. But I get asked all the time about Ken Rudolph and with good reason. And then just kind of a tie one of Ken Rudolph's uh, biggest moments on air, handicapping-wise, is when he picked Giacomo to win. The oh, yeah. I just saw that Giacomo's damage just passed away. But, yeah, Ken is always just uh, rooted in the fabric of TVG. So I think whenever he's changing projects or doing something different, the, the hope is that he'll come back. But I think he had his time at TVG. And, and the bottom line is uh, TVG would not have advanced as far as it did without the contributions of Ken. But I'm excited to see what his next announcement is for sure. He's Rick James! Maybe the rock band, right? Maybe the rock band is uh, yeah. <laughs> going on a nationwide tour Mama's, or something. <laughs> yeah, Mama's Gravy has gotten back together. Yeah. Hey, awesome. uh, before Gino, before we get into the actual nitty-gritty of the Breeders' Cup uh, specifics, I'm curious, Todd, have you identified, like, maybe a best sequence? Maybe, a, a, you know, a pick four sequence, a pick five, you know, a cold deck double. Is there a sequence where you're like, you know what, I really, really think that you can center, uh, build a ticket around a certain horse or some long shots? Anything uh, come to mind? Well, you know, my best bet of my life so far is going to be probably my, my, my first initial kind of big play. But if you're looking at a, uh, a sequence that will really pay off, I just think on Saturday that sequence ending with the Breeders' Cup Classic, both the pick five that starts in race seven with a $2 million guaranteed pool, and then the pick four that begins in race eight, with a $3 million guaranteed pool. I'm a horizontal player, so I'm looking at pick threes, pick fours, and pick fives. And uh, I think that sequence on Saturday, and you know, a lot of times I wouldn't suggest playing the obvious sequence that everyone's focusing on with the big pools. There'll be other opportunities. But actually, when you look at how that lays out with the mile turf and everything in it, and I think maybe a more wide-open Breeders' Cup Classic and even a disc staff than people think, um, the Breeders' Cup turf is, is kind of the race that's in that sequence where everyone's going to be looking at and able as an even buddy morning line favorite. And as history has already documented, uh, arc winners have obviously struggled in the breeders cup turf. Even those horses who have been also ran in the, uh, uh arc coming to the breeders cup turf. So I, I don't think enables a lot either. So I love that sequence. The, uh, one on Saturday with the big guarantees, both in the pick four and the uh, pick five. So pick five, seven through 11 on Saturday, and pick four, eight through 11, all ending with the classic. And what, you know, one of the kind of the main topics, I think, of this Breeders' Cup weekend is 
what are we going to do with John Sadler? As we've seen, you know, John Sadler has never won a Breeders' Cup race, and he's had some very live chances in Breeders' Cup races before. He generally struggles when they get outside of California and the horses have to ship a little bit. We're worried about some weather also. There are going to be three major races where a Sadler horse is going to have a big say in the race. And, I mean, he could have an opportunity to win three races this weekend, or he could... You know, if he goes O and doesn't get a win with a Catalina Cruiser or an Accelerate or even a Cellcourt, who might be a little more difficult off the bench and down on the inside. But those are three logical chances this year. What do we do with these horses, Shreppy? Well, look, I think Catalina Cruiser is as talented as a stablemate Accelerate. If if that win yeah. doesn't happen, then I, I'd raise the alarm bells, especially yeah. for Accelerate later on. Uh, because, like you said, we're going to know early on with the Sadler Barn because he's got two legitimate chances, both in the Breeders' Cup, Philly and Mare Sprint, and then the Dirt Mile, where I think Catalina Cruiser's a cinch. If he runs his race with the draw and the rest of it, like I said, I, I just think the world of that horse. So there might be a lot to it. But let's, let's remember, Bobby Frankel, who's considered the greatest trainer in American thoroughbred racing, along with the likes of Bob Baffert and D. Wayne Lucas and the rest, but Bobby, Baff, uh, but Bobby Frankel was considered one of the greatest of all time. He struggled at the Breeders' Cup. And for the longest time, people were like, is he ever going to win a Breeders' Cup? And then he did with Squirtle Squirt and, and broke a long streak there around 0 for 30. Todd Pletcher, who is one of the greats of the modern game, had a winless streak as well in the Breeders' Cup. They all go through it, and he's going to bust out. I think he's got enough opportunities this year. But, yeah, to accept short prices on a trainer who's sitting at 0 for 41, yeah, that seems to be a bit of a problem, but... They've all gone through it, meaning very, very good trainers. John Sadler's a very good trainer. I think the great equalizer for any California horse, no matter what barn they come from, is Churchill Downs and the weather that you talked about. You know, um, Bob Baffert doesn't seem to matter wherever he goes, he's able to win. But I think Churchill Downs is a great equalizer for a lot of the California horses. And I think that's a bigger factor than necessarily John Sadler over Ford. And, and just remember, some of those horses were hopeless long shots that we're talking about. He has with the development of Cassius Aranis and Aranis Racing, he's coming with different animals this time around. So the first 25 starts we're talking about here, maybe he didn't have a realistic chance. I think John Sandler is going to be just fine. I think he's adjusted his approach a little bit with a couple of horses, but uh, I think he'll have a win before we get to accelerate. And to me, most likely, it's going to be Catalina Cruiser in the dirt mile. Want to squeeze in a uh, question before the break here, and we're hoping that you can maybe stick with us for a few minutes after the break. Any thoughts overall on the European contingency? I've heard some, you know, analysts say that maybe at, from top to bottom, it's not as strong of a contingency as maybe years past. Well, what are your impressions? What are your thoughts about the uh, Euros? Well, you could say, you know, when you talk about horses that have come in the past, the big names like Goldakova and and others over the years, a, a brilliant start. Well, Enable fits that category, but I think it's fair to say the rest of the European contingent, I don't think there's been uh, a star in all their divisions over there. So I think what you're getting are evenly matched horses. But what you're also getting are your European entrants that on numbers kind of dominate the Americans, both in the mile and the Breeders' Cup turf. And then when you go through their resumes, they dominate there as well. Europe is going to be absolutely fine. America is going to be up against it in the mile on the grass. America is going to be way up against it in the Breeders' Cup turf. And they're also going to be up against it in some of the juvenile races on the grass. Although I think America has a little bit better chance there. But I have every confidence that we're going to see plenty of European winners. But I think what you are going to see are European winners that pay prices. Because I think the horses that have come over, by and large, 
are pretty evenly matched. When we talk about the voices in horse racing, this man has to be on that short list for the actual voice of horse racing because he's in the background of your houses and your living rooms. You're hearing him so often. We are very lucky to have our good friend Todd Shrupp on with us. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we return, we're going to finish up with Todd. Then we're going to bring in uh, Craig Milkowski from Timeform US. We're going to have Scott Shapiro from Twin Spires. And we're going to close things out with the parlay queen, Monique. Talk a few, uh, few NFL games and some Breeders' Cup selections. Don't go anywhere. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports channel want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience tune in to sports info um with daryl oliver he'll talk about the drafts play-by-play and even what's happening in the offseason daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past present and future he'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else football and beyond sports info um is heard mondays at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at the themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. We're here with Todd Shrub rolling along. Now, we've set the tone a little bit for Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday. Now it's time to jump into the handicapping. And that's what's great about Todd is that um, one reason why Todd and I always got along is we're horse players. Some some folks out there are handicappers or they're, they're horsemen. They're in the horse racing business, but they're not they're not gamblers and you you don't necessarily you you share in and you have different strengths and weaknesses but it's funny we had a lot of fun moments going back and forth gambling and as Todd kind of said at the beginning of the show one thing I've always told Mike about Todd is when Todd doesn't like a horse to me that's when I really take notice and that's why we were talking about the exchange and stuff Todd I always felt like that to me was one of your strengths is the favorites that you say, you know what, this horse is too short of a price. Let's just chuck this horse out. And that's where I've learned from you. So this weekend, where are we going to go? Are we going to take a shot against, a, you know, a big heavy favorite? Do you like one of these horses that you maybe just single in on and spread out? What's the approach? Um, I, I, I start the same way you just mentioned. That is, I look for those races where I think there's a vulnerable favorite. I think there are two vulnerable favorites that are in high-profile races in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and he's not going to be an odds-on favorite, but he's still going to be a solid 2-1, to one, maybe even down to 8-5. to five. And then I think Monomoy Girl and the Breeders' Cup Distaff, I think the three-year-old fillies 
are up against it against their uh, older counterparts. Um, a horse like Wildcat seemed to come into her own, a Chilean champion who had a big race last time on the Bell Dame. You get a very attractive price there at 8-1. to one. So, yeah, I, I really always take that approach to any card. I look for a sequence where I think there is a vulnerable favorite. And um, in the case of that late pick four, there are definitely two of them in my, in my mind on Saturday. Accelerate in the Breeders' Cup class, Monomoy Girl on the distaff. And if you are able to get, uh, you know, uh, a possibility of beating Enable in the Breeders' Cup turf, all the better. On the flip side of that, how about a uh, favorite to maybe single or to key in on? You know, for me, one of my angles has been you take West Coast speed. And mm-hmm. anytime you've got Bob Baffert involved, Joel Rosario, you know, game winner to me in uh, on the Friday card, race nine in the juvenile, to me, looks like a single. I know a lot of people are siding with complexity um, and definitely with code of honor. Any thoughts about game winner, or do you, or, or do you look elsewhere for your single that um, you know might be even money or, or two to one range? Uh, before the Del Mar Futurity, and we were on site for TBG, our set is just off the paddock area, and Bob Baffert came over to make small talk as the horses were coming to the paddock, and everyone assumed that Roadster was going to be his next big two-year-old and by, uh, you know, process, end up being his next big three-year-old for next year. And that may ultimately happen. But he basically told us beforehand, don't go to sleep on Game Winner. This, this, is, the, this is the horse. And Game Winner went out there in the run the Del Mar's futurity impressively. The only question remaining for Game Winner is, would it be as good around futurity? So his pedigree suggested it, and then he uh, obviously went out and proved it in the American Pharaoh. He is absolutely the right favorite in the Sentient Jet Breeders Cup Juvenile Race Nine on Friday. But I would give a look to the horse that you mentioned. Out of the Champagne, I think the second place finisher uh, was the better horse, Code of Honor, who finished second in complexity. If you go back and watch the trouble that he had at the start, he's also going to major upgrade to Twin Velasquez on this day, and he should be fantastic going around two turns. I think it's a West versus East because I was at Keeneland, when Nick's go beat uh, the field at 70-1 to and the Claiborne Breeders Futurity, that was not much of a field. Nick's go kind of proved that by wiring the field at 70-1. to You're getting the best of the West in game winner versus, I think, one of the best out in the East, Code of Honor. That, to me, is a two-horse showdown, but game winner is absolutely a very, very good favorite. And best for last, the question everybody's been waiting for, your <laughs> best bet of your lifetime. Yeah, and here's the thing of my life so far, because there is the possibility that 10 years from now, I might find another best bet. So I'm and I hope 10 years after that, now. you find another one. I, and and well, 20 years exactly. after that, you find so, another one too. I was going to go the opposite so way and say, man, that's been a long time. <laughs> you know, that's been a really <laughs> long time. Exactly. <laughs> 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 so I'm going to have that qualifier, the best bet of my lifetime, so far. And so I'm not even going to wait. Uh, so there's 14 championship races. Um, there are ten. There are ten total races on Friday, twelve races on Saturday. You got twenty-two races in all, but fourteen Breeders' Cup races. I'm diving in on the first Breeders' Cup race, race number five on Friday's card. Excuse me. Yeah, race number five on Friday's card is the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile Turf Sprint, and there is a horse in there um, who is coming over from France. Soldiers' Call. So race five, oh, yeah. Churchill Downs on Friday. Soldiers Call ran in the pre delay Bay last time out. This race, the British Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, is for two-year-olds. In America, we never raced two-year-olds 
against older horses. The race that Soldier's Call comes out of was against older horses. Now, the two-year-olds got 17 to 19-pound weight allowances. But be that as it may, it's remarkable that Soldier's Call finished third behind who he did in that race. Mab's Cross was an older horse, the second-place finisher, gold vibe, an older horse as well. But he took Mab's Cross down to the wire. Mab's Cross was third earlier this year at Royal Ascot in the King Stand. The King Stand is one of the top sprint races in all of Europe. It would be kind of like our Met Mile over here. The fact that Soldier's Call, as a two-year-old, could run within a, about a head and a half of Mab's Cross and is now coming back against two-year-old and is now getting Lasix for the first time, sign me up, Soldier's Call, the two-horse, race five at Churchill on Friday, all day, every day. Anything over five to two, we've got a huge win wager. I- I'd be shocked if this horse, yeah. you know, is that I'm 100% with you. He looked like he was the winner, Todd, in that race. I mean... I was yep. I was deep in racing posts this week, looking at all the uh, the Euro replays. This horse was unbelievable. He towers over this field, and if he gets any kind of a trip, he's fast too. He has speed, so the inside draw that people are worried about, he should be able to kind of negotiate that and use a little of that tactical speed to get away from there. I think he might be a single right off the bat. I'm with you. If you start that pick five, you might be able to single right there. Well, and that's that's the thing, G man, because I'm with you. The horse is going to get back down from nine to two. You're not going to get that value. The only way you get value is to play that first pick five. So they got a pick five that starts in race one. I'm going to single soldiers call on the end. I've looked at the rest of the sequence, and it's moderately tough. So my first play is going to be a pick five, race one at Churchill, and then I'm going to single on the end, soldiers call, and hopefully get more of that value, that nine to two in the morning line. Because you're right, in the wind pool, he's, he's probably five to two ultimately. Good stuff, Todd. Man, I wish we could have you for a full hour Two hours, talk racing all day. So entertaining, so insightful. Well, we can. You just turn on TVG. Well, that's, there you that's go. Yeah. You just turn it on for a little while. It's a one-way conversation, but I enjoy that very much, too. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, and, and, and I have to tell you, you know, you were kind enough to have me on as one of your first guests. This, uh, this podcast has grown in popularity, and I knew it would because you guys are two phenomenal hosts, and the insight you provide on all topics is unparalleled. And, and there may be a lot of noise out in social media and people offering their opinions, uh, but there's a difference between putting your opinion out there and actually someone who has some insight, and both of you have great insight. So thank you for letting me be part of the program. Oh, you're too kind. Appreciate the nice words, and uh, thank you for taking some time to join us, man. Love love every moment of it. All right, we'll talk soon. Miss you, buddy. You're the man. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Love talking to Todd. Love Todd. We got to roll, though, because we've got Craig Milkowski. Yep. So let's, uh, let's get ready to rattle through our next few guests. We bring him in from Timeform US. He is one of our go-to handicappers when we're talking horse racing. And right now, he has an excellent fantasy football team in the Mike Abadir Show Fantasy Football League. He is right near the top of the league. Uh, Todd Gurley, just dominating fools. Craig, you have a good squad. Leading into this uh, this Breeders' Cup week, so it looks like you're going to be playing in the playoffs, I think, at the end of the year. What's yeah, up, Greg? I hope so. I think Mahomes was the steal, right? I mean, girl, yeah, yeah. the obvious, but Mahomes is the one carrying me right now. When, when you get that additional production that wasn't expected, you know, you didn't expect to get from him what you did. Like you said, Gurley, the number one pick, you're expecting big games from him every week, but with Mahomes carrying you and just no bad weeks, you have a very, very tough team craig and uh this weekend craig where, where are we going to jump into give us uh just kind of overall what are your thoughts and then take us to whichever races you want 
All right, well, first let's start with that juvenile turf sprint because I'm on the opposite side of the fence as you guys. So we'll have to nice. oh. a, uh, nice. a little friendly bet or something. I, I'm thinking there's a little lack of understanding on this European <laughs> racing here. <laughs> this two-year-old, is, as you guys mentioned, I think you're underestimating how big that weak break he caught was in the, uh, the Prix de la Bay there at Longchamp. I think he gapped from 17 to 19 pounds which is just huge. He's a quick starter. He was able to get out in front, but I'm just not a big fan of European sprinters. I never have been. We, we've seen Wesley Ward ship in there and win big races. We've seen horses from Australia ship in and win big, and I just don't think it's a very strong division over there. Uh, you know, we see the same thing here with our, our turf. Uh, not so much the mile where speed's still more important, but when you start getting into the, the Philly and Mare turf and to the uh, – the Breeders' Cup turf, that's where we kind of lose our edge because that's not really the strength of our racing. And, and every circuit, you know, around the world has their different strengths. The Australians are great sprinters. Uh, you know, the milers tend to come from the, uh, the U.K., France. And, you know, I just think speed's our forte, and I'm tossing all the Euros in that race. So where do wow. you, where okay. do you land, uh, or who are the couple of the horses maybe you'll focus in on? A couple. I think you got to look at the Wesley Ward trainees. You know, he's got four of them in there. I think they're all Phillies. They're all fast. Uh, one's already went to uh, Ask Royal Ascot and won one of the big races there. But actually, the one I'm probably going to key on, due to mostly due to price, is the uh, Todd Pletcher trained horse. Uh, I believe it's the Five Horse Bulletin. And what I really liked about this horse, he kind of flew under the radar. He debuted at Gulfstream, which, you know, we're not talking Gulfstream in the uh, the winter time. It was Gulfstream in the summer where it's kind of a, you know, second-tier circuit, not really a top circuit. But I was intrigued that he stuck this horse in a stakes race right off the bat, a $75,000 stake. The horse got bet down the 5-2, to two, so it wasn't a big secret. But, I mean, he just absolutely blew that field away that day. Uh, opened up a, a lead right out of the gate, pulled away from there, got a 105 time form U.S. speed figure for me, which is really good for a two-year-old that time of year. And I, I'm looking for big things from him. But my main strategy is going to be to beat the Euros. I'll probably play lots of tickets with, with the Ward horses and Bulletin and see what I can come up with there. Yeah, that's a great that's a great approach. As, as you beat the Euros, you're taking a, you know, one thing that we we don't know always too with these Breeders' Cup races so far out is we don't know who is going to take all the money. Sometimes, sometimes the Euro horse takes a ton of action. Sometimes it's different. So kind of like your approach here. You have Bulletin. You have the Wesley Ward horses. You take a shot against the Euros. So the uh, right off the bat, we have a little dissension between Todd, I, and Craig, which I love. That's why horse racing is so great. Uh, where else do we head for you, Craig? Where, you, where else do you have a nice, strong opinion this weekend? Uh, probably one of my favorite bets is the uh, sprint. Uh, I actually made myself look good for a change on your show last year with the sprint. I'm going to go right back to that one this year. And I really like promises fulfilled in this race. Uh, I think he, he's got a few things going for him. I, I think he has a early pace advantage on the field. And I also just think he's the best horse in the field anyway, which, uh, you know, it might sound a little much when, when you're talking about the top two coming back from last year's uh, Breeders' Cup sprint, Imperial Hint, Roy H., the winner, of course. But, you know, those two are a little older. I think last year was a little bit of a weak group. Uh, on, on my speed figures, they were actually ran a little bit below the grade one par, which is kind of rare for the Breeders' Cup. 
And, and I think promises fulfilled is just the real deal. He's super fast. Uh, he showed how gritty he was last time at Keeneland when he was able to hold off uh, older horses through the lane and his, his first try facing older horses. And, I mean, we saw just how fast he was. We're talking about a horse here who dueled with Justify in the Kentucky Derby before, obviously, he gave it up and a race that was probably way too long for him. And, uh, you know, a horse who was, you know, just supremely talented, as we saw. Unfortunately, he's been retired. But, you know, I think he's found his game sprinting, and there's just not a whole lot of speed in this one. I mean, the, the next, you know, we have a pace projector where we try to predict the pace in the race. And the, the next horse shown in the pace projector is Distinctive B, who's a extreme long shot in here. He was running and claiming races not very long ago. And I just don't think much of him. I think Promises Fulfilled is going to have everything his own way, and he's the horse I'm looking most forward to betting. That's I like- a race seven on Saturday. Uh, for the listeners, the number two, Promises Fulfilled. Yeah, Craig, to me, this is one of these horses that I think in defeat, he might have even showed me the most back in the Woody Stevens in June when they went like 21-2, and 43-2, and two, and he's still hanging around down in the and just battling it out. And since that race, he put together three consecutive efforts where just kind of what you said, when he's the fastest, he's he wins. He battles. Man, this horse is honest. I, I was a horse who early on in the year, I liked strike power, uh, and I was kind of playing strike power against Promises Fulfilled when they kept hooking up. And, man, he's one of those horses that's just really opened my eyes. I have him second. Um, just behind Roy H, but I agree with you. I would not be shocked if to see him come forth with a big, big performance. Uh, any uh, anything else, Craig? Uh, for you, a couple couple races so far. If you have anything else, we'd love to we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, on Friday, probably the race I'm most interested in seeing, except for maybe the classic, but over the whole two days is the juvenile. I I think we have some really talented horses in this group with a complexity winner of the Champagne at Belmont and game winner. Won the, uh, and I'm terrible with the name of this race. I still call it the Norfolk. The American (laughs) Pharaoh, right? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. He changed it again. That's why. Again, three times in the last 10 years it's been changed, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going old school. It's a, he won the Norfolk, if you ask me. There we go. Uh, there we go. Away. And then we have Code of Honor, who who just looked extremely impressive. He had a tough break in that race against Complexity, and even Gum Metal Gray has, has looked pretty good. I think he's uh, been training great. I've seen a lot of things on him. Uh, but these horses are just four that come in with really good speed figures for two-year-olds this time of year. And I think this is going to be the, the best race on the weekend. Uh, there's a lot of speed in here. Uh, I think complexity is probably going to make the lead. Game winner is going to have to decide when to challenge them. And it's just one of those where you kind of are hoping for a trip because I'm going to side with Code of Honor J- just from a value perspective. Uh, it won't surprise me if either two favorites go on to win, but Code of Honor really impressed me the way he stumbled. He got brushed. Uh, you don't see a lot of horses win first time out for uh, Suge McGahee either, which he did going wire to wire. kind of drew some buzz. But I think he's going to get a little bit lost in the shadows here of, of the two big ones, and I think he might offer some value. And before we let you go, do you have an opinion on the Classic? Yeah, you know, in the Classic, I mean, it's a little bit, I mean, it's hard to say it's watered down when you have a horse like Accelerate, who basically won every big race there was to win in California this year. He swept the big three, won the awesome again. But personally, he just didn't look that great to me uh, in his last race, the awesome again. I know trainer John Tagler has said he didn't have him fully cranked up for that one, turning back in distance. But I'm a guy that kind of tunes out trainer talk. 
Uh, what I'm not going to tune out is that John Savage yet to win a Breeders' Cup race is the many attempts. I think it's over 40. Uh, we will get a chance to see some of his other horses run at, at short prices. If he has one in the Philly and Mare Sprint, Cell Court. He has another, uh, the favorite in the Dirt Mile, Catalina Cruiser. So by the time post time rolls around, you know, you got to watch all these races before you make your decisions. And maybe he'll change my mind. But as we talk now, I wouldn't want any parts of Accelerate from the, the 14 post at 5-2. to two. So I'm going to stick with the old tried and true Bob, Bob Baffert and just kind of key off of McKenzie and West Coast. I think they both have high speed. Uh, they both look pretty good to me in the race last time, particularly McKenzie, who just came off that long layoff from the, uh, the winter, basically, when he got derailed on the Derby Trail and was really impressive in the Pennsylvania Derby. Uh, over a real slow track, he he kind of, you know, he looked like he was having a little trouble getting hold of it at first, and I didn't think he was going to run. And then all of a sudden, when when he seemed to dig in and get a hold of it, he just pulled away from from what was a pretty solid field. So you got to, like you said, Gino, you got to watch those, you know, the odds. You never really know what you're going to get. But McKenzie and West Coast are going to be the two for me. Yeah, and with Accelerate, you know, to me, I also look at the fact that, you know, some of his best races have been in five, six, seven horse fields. You know, that concerns me a little bit outside, in addition to the 14 post, in addition to Sadler being over, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons to bet against, you know? Yeah. And that's what you want. I mean, that's the great thing about these breeders cup races. Yeah. There, you know, there's, and all the favorites are good horses. They wouldn't be the favorite in the Breeders' Cup, but there's no cakewalks here in the Breeders' Cup. They're, they're, the competition runs deep, uh, and to me, taking a, pr- a short price just seems silly. Uh, I'm a guy who likes to play a lot of vertical uh, verticals and, and try to hit race by race because in, in a day like the Breeders' Cup, uh, that's all it takes. You can hit one or two of these and make a killing. Whereas the horizontals are just so hard, at least from my perspective, trying to hit a pick four or pick five, stringing them together, that, that's not for me. Some people are better at it than me, but I prefer to attack them one race at a time and try, try to go deep, get these favorites out of there. And when you do, you really get paid. At Timeform US, the chief speed figures maker for Timeform US, our good friend, Craig Milkowski, Craig, keep kicking butt with your fantasy team. We'll be following you along. You're a great follow throughout the Breeders' Cup because you're always watching the races and you're commenting on things that happened before or after and talking about the times and stuff like that. So for us handicappers, always a great follow at Timeform US. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks again. Thanks, Craig. Okay, good thanks luck. for having me, guys. We'll, yep, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Awesome stuff. We're going to go to a break in just a second, Mike. I want to give out one horse, though, because we're going to we're going to have to be quick with the with Scott and Monique. One of my best bets all weekend is in the juvenile Phillies. So we're talking about race number seven on Friday at Churchill Downs. And I like the four restless rider. This is a Philly that I've been watching for quite some time. Uh, She was in a race at Churchill Downs in the debutante um, a couple months back. And she looked like she was going to fall down a horse. But basically, backed up right into her. I thought jockey Hernandez was going to fall off and they were going to lose the saddle. She somehow was able to recover. She was able to relax and then win that race by 11 lengths. Since then, she came back and she was second in a grade one where she was a little wide at Saratoga. And then going long, she sat perfectly right behind the leaders at Keeneland and exploded. I think she's going to be maybe your third or fourth choice in there. And I love her. She's a horse that I'll be betting to win at anything over around three to one. And uh, a horse I'll probably single in some exotics. One of my best bets of the weekend, Restless Rider. 
I'd like to give out one quick selection as well. It's actually in the undercard tomorrow, so hopefully uh, get things started with a nice win better and exacta and uh, build the bankroll for some of the bigger races. Race two tomorrow, six furlongs. I like number 10, Jack Van Berg at six to one. Nice, he's actually cool. got He's actually got Thomas Van Berg training Jack Van Berg, but that's not the reason I like him. If you look at the improvement from race, for, uh, he was a first-time starter. His first race was back in July, Five and a half furlong stakes race at Emerald Downs. Huge improvement uh, three weeks later. Uh, l- I watched that race several times. I, I thought he could have won it, but the-, the-, the improvement for this youngster was just uh, too juicy to pass up at six to one. Uh, John Kent Court knows that track really well. So that's my spot play, number 10 in race two. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we return, we're going to have Scott Shapiro from To Inspired. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. This week on The Revolution, we're on a big game conquest for moose, grizzlies, whitetails, and more. Tune in as Stan Potts of North American Whitetail and Tim Brent with Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures talk big game hunting. Plus, Jake Edson of Bushnell and Steve Nessel from Yamaha will discuss optics and off-roading. Jim and Trav's Big Game Conquest is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. What's cool about this week in our guest lineup, Mike, is that uh, kind of inadvertently, we got some of our all-time kind of most loyal and most trusted friends of the show that we've had on. And one of them, who he, I think between him and Monique, it's probably been the most, our good friend, Scott Shapiro. We talk a little bit of everything with Scott, but this week we're going to focus in on horse racing. Scott, you said you're over at Churchill Downs right now. What's the vibe like? And then... Take us right into it. Give us a horse or two that you like this weekend. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Hope all is well on the West Coast. I miss the weather. Uh, speaking of the weather, yeah, the vibe is a, is a little bit odd because it's been raining so much. Um, floppy track off the turf today. Uh, hopefully, uh, the drainage system system's really good here. So I expect the main track to be good or fast tomorrow, especially by the time we get to the big races because the rain has basically stopped from what I understand. I haven't been outside in a couple minutes. Turf will definitely be soft, so probably favor some of the Europeans. Um, in terms of a couple races, um, definitely have a lot of things that I'm going to be involved in, but there's two horses, I think, at prices that I 
uh, hope that one of them at least could win or run well for me tomorrow. And, and the, they're both on Saturday. The first of them is in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. That's race three on Saturday's card, the first of the Breeders' Cup races. Um, certainly Marley's Freedom is the horse to beat in there and would not be surprised if she beats this field handily. But a little concerned she might have run a race in a test. So I'm going to look to number six, Shalone, uh, making her second start off the layoff for trainer Arno De La Cour. I think this horse has got a real nice pattern. It's con- gotten better progressively over the course of her career, especially uh, in 2018. This will be her fifth start, just first of the fall, though. Um, and I like the way she. I like the way she runs. She should get a nice stalking trip in this spot. I would have maybe preferred a little bit of a further outside post for her, uh, but the six hole should work. Some speed to her inside. Uh, she arguably ran the best race in the field in the TCA, a grade two at Keeneland last time at six furlongs, but was wide throughout and got beat ahead by Golden Mischief. Uh, she she likes to win races. She's five for twelve and she's fifteen to one on the morning line. So number six. Shalom for trainer Arno De La Cour. Javier Castellano is a price play I'm going to be involved with in the third, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. And then let's fast forward to the ninth race, the Breeders' Cup Distaff, where Abel Tasman and Monomoy Girl are likely to take the bulk of the money, both of them obviously legitimate contenders. I think I'm going to side against the three-year-olds in this race in all of my wagers, and that includes Midnight Bisu, who uh, just beat uh, by disqualification Monomoy Girl and the Cotillion at Parks on September 22nd, as well as Wonder Godot, the Canadian bred. Abel Tasman certainly can win, and I will play her on top of this horse in an exa- in an exacta saver because if she runs her race, unlike she did last time in the Zenyatta, she certainly is the horse to beat. But I think uh, number nine, Wildcat, is well sitting on another big race. You there? I'm with you. Here we go. I like it. He was just excited. Yeah, that's that's my play too. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wildcat is a horse. That's right. You said you like this horse too, you know. That's right. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Wildcat's a horse that was supposed to be um, the real deal when uh, he came, or when she came in from Chile for to trainer Chad Brown. She ran disappointing second by at four to five to Farrell in the Shuby. Then she got well beaten by Abel Tasman and Elate in the personal ensign. But it seems like she put things together, Gino and Mike, in the uh, Belldame uh, October 6th at Belmont. Granted, that field was nowhere near what she faces on Saturday, but I just like the way she did it. Her numbers moved up, but not too much to to me for me to think that she's sitting on a regression in this spot. I think she's going to move forward again. And I just am not convinced that any of the top contenders are sitting on their best race. And obviously, Wildcat, 9 for 11, loves to win races. We get Jose Ortiz in the saddle. It's been a little bit cold of late, but big day. I assume he'll get a one or two home. So let's try now, number nine, Wildcat, 8 to 1 on the morning line in the Breeders' Cup this day. Beautiful. I like it. I think if we get anything over 6 to 1, worthy of a nice win wager there on uh, wow cat scott shapiro what uh you have anything this weekend for purchase or anything that we can look into let us know what you'll be working on yeah i mean i'm doing i'll be doing a lot of video and uh, uh with twin spires all my stuff is for free there'll be a couple articles up on the twinspires.com blog you can find it also on my twitter account where i'll tweet everything out at scott chap 34 uh, then you can find me also over the course of the, the fall meet uh, here at Churchill. I'll be sitting in with Joe Christopher quite a bit on the simulcast show, so you can tune in some real good racing, uh, especially to bet on uh, in November with the two-year-old races here. So 
definitely check that out. But uh, it's been great uh, joining you guys quickly here, and I wish you luck on the in the Breeders' Cup the next couple of days. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Scott. We'll talk Thank to you, you soon, buddy. All right. Have a good one, guys. You too. Awesome. So we go from one show favorite to uh, to another one, and uh, in the spirit of making some money, the Parlay Queen, all the way from Canada. How are you, Monique? Oh, I'm very well. Exciting weekend happening, so excited to be joining you guys and talking something a little bit different this time, so always exciting to talk horses, especially with you guys. Nice. So let's get your one. Uh, you were 2-0 last week in the NFL, so you and Mike had good weeks. Just to give everybody an idea quickly, last week um, on Saturday, the Dodgers were up 4-0. They lost. Uh, the Lakers lost. USC lost. On Sunday, the Dodgers lost again. Monday, the Lakers lost. Sunday, I lost both of my bets that I made and all of my fantasy matchups. So it was a pretty good 48 hours for me this weekend, <laughs> Monique. Um, uh, let's go into your plays. I know one thing that my weekend can't be worse. And uh, hopefully I might have to just jump on top of one of uh, one of Monique's bets and, uh, and maybe I can get off the schneid. Where's your NFL play this week? Well, that's what you get for being a diehard fan. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> that's no, what you get. I that's know. why you can't have favorite teams. They just yeah. always end up letting you down in the worst ways. <laughs> Killing me. Yep. Uh, yeah, so my NFL play for the week would probably be the Washington Redskins over 23 points. Now, they're playing the Falcons, and they're coming off a bye week. But unfortunately for the Falcons, they just haven't really been good on the road. They're 1-5 against the spread in their last six. Now, both teams are clicking offensively. Uh, the Falcons coming off their bye week. They should have a little bit of confidence after they defeated division rivals the New York Giants. But Atlanta's been... Atlanta's been pretty inconsistent on the offensive end, and I think the Redskins' defense have just been, they've just been fantastic. Um, I think the Redskins could find the end zone a bit more. Now, I don't like them as favorite. I think the one-and-a-half points is, is, honestly, it's kind of more of a pick and I maybe would lean towards the Falcons, but I do think this game has a high-scoring affair written all over it, and I think the Redskins could find the end zone quite a bit. Redskins team total over the 23. And then you have uh, three plays for us coming up. We only have a few minutes, so we have to get through these pretty quickly. You have a Breeders' Cup Classic play. And I'm actually with you on this one, Monique. Tell us who you like in the Classic. Well, I'm actually shocked to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I like Yoshida. I think 10-1 to 1 is a good price. And he's, I mean, Accelerate, obviously, is the favorite for good reason, winning five of his last six. But Yoshida had a very, very nice dirt start in his first ever, first ever one on the dirt, going a mile and an eighth. Uh, he closed from six lengths back, and I do think that there could be quite a bit of speed and potentially a pace duel up front. So I think if that's the case, I love Yoshida even more, and 10-1 to 1 is just such a generous price for a horse that will be closing late. And in the distaff, there are a couple of the Phillies and mares that should have been in this race that would have made it a lot stronger that aren't. And I think a lot of folks, because she won the race and got DQ'd and was kind of zigging and zagging, might be cold on Monomoy Girl this time. But you're not, and I'm kind of with you. I have her in my exotics. You like Monomoy Girl. Yeah, it's hard not to like her. I mean, there's really not much to say, winning 8 of 10 career races. She just has the speed to overcome the outside post. And I think drawing outside is obviously really tricky, and I tend to play against horses drawing outside. But with that early speed... And the ability that even though she's shown that she has been contested sometimes on the front end, she just has that powerful closing kick and that ability to dig in. And I think that really sets her apart. Although it's a short price and she is the favorite, she's most certainly the one to beat. I think she rebounds big. And then you have one other price play in the Philly and Mare Sprint. 
Yeah, I'm liking Finley's Lucky Charm at 10 to 1. Now, I like her price because when on her game, I think she can compete with anyone. Now, I think the problem with her recently has been weakening late. And I don't think that that's been an issue that's affected most of her starts, but it has been kind of a recurring theme. But I do think in a wide open field, I think she's a lot better than the odds she's set at for morning line. I think she could definitely surprise some and hit the board at a big price. Three plays in the races, and NFL Redskins team total over. The Breeders' Cup Classic, Yoshida, the Distaff, Monomoy Girl, and the Philly and Mare Sprint, Finley's Lucky Charm. Monique, sorry we had to be quick this week, but we always appreciate it. And next week, we'll talk with you again. We'll see how these Breeders' Cup picks did, and we'll talk more football. Thanks, Monique. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Great stuff. Mikey, go ahead. uh, Take a minute or so and give whatever you want to give, football, Breeders' Cup, anything. All right, my Breeders' Cup Classic winner is McKenzie. I'm on the same page with Craig about that one. Um, I'd love to be able to elaborate a little bit more, but we got to rip through these. So uh, let's shift to the NFL. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns after the coaching change. After the, the change, points. I like it. Yep. It's a good, it's a yep. good call. Getting eight points, even though, you know, I'm a big Kansas City Chiefs backer. I love them. Uh, Maybe a backdoor with, cover here where the yep. Chiefs win by yep. a touchdown. They're at home. Uh, I'm going with all home teams this week. I'm going with Baltimore as well. Oh, there we go. We're going to be together. I got to go back. After they got crushed, that's what's the one thing as gamblers we got to be careful is that you can't hold the grudge. You know, when a team gets crushed like Baltimore did last weekend, you can't get upset. You got to come back and play them if the spot looks good. And so I'm with you at two. Short 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 memory. Yeah, Ravens minus two and a half. That's going to be my only play this week because I was so focused in on Breeders' Cup. I'm just going to make one play this week. Hope that one hits. And you have how many? Uh, I got four. And then uh, then I'm going to go to uh, Miami at home minus Minus three against the Jets. And then the Saints at home against the Rams in the showdown for home field advantage. And there you have it. Give us your four one more time. You have Saints, the Ravens, Miami, and who's the fourth? Cleveland. Cleveland. Cleveland, Saints, Baltimore, Miami. For Mike, I'll just take the Ravens minus two and a half. You can go to the MikeAbadierShow.com and you can check out that Breeders' Cup Picks Package analysis for every horse in every race. Uh, and if you e- and if you do it, you can email me. We'll go back and forth. I'll answer any questions that you have. And uh, I really appreciate it. And I know the folks at City of Hope, every extra dollar over there matters. They really appreciate it too. Awesome, man. God bless you and everybody involved. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. Make some money. We'll see you next Thursday. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.